Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast. I'm Christophe Mallet and I'm joined like every single week with our legendary Mr. Monsieur Dave McKenzie. How are you? Well, <laughs> this is, I'm, just, I, might just, I might just quit now. That's you, the best intro you've ever given me. Keep coming back. I mean, keep coming back. Is, but what do you want? What, what, what's going, what do you want? Come nah, on, just nah, say okay, it. Just okay. come out. I, I, I've heard you investing a little bit in, uh, in some, you know, four wheel things. So oh, maybe, yes. maybe I want, a, I want a little trip out. Yes, there. yes. <laughs> maybe. Okay, let's yeah, no talk. mad life. Hey, we're all edging to exactly. that. Exactly. We're all ending up at that mm. place in life at some <laughs> stage. <laughs> uh, let's talk cycling because this is what we are here for. Yes. Another week, uh, another few results, another moves as well. Mm. Uh, I think before we talk about the results, we have to talk about this. Luc Plap is moving on from Ineos and is going. Uh, on a very known land for him is uh, Jaco, our, yes. our own very own Australian team. He's coming home. He's mm. coming home. Uh, probably world's worst kept secret because it was it's sort of like we knew it was happening, but it wasn't official. And it's been like that for about a month now, yeah. hasn't it? So it's only just been announced. Um, but you know what? Let's listen to him because yeah. I think he sent you a little message. He That's, did. Uh, Luke Blapp. Hey, Mac. Uh, oh, look, mate. I'm uh, so excited to be joining the team. It really does feel like I'm coming home and I belong there. I know so many of the uh, of the guys, the coaching staff, and the riders. Uh, so I really can't wait to get stuck into it. Been chatting to them a lot lately, and yeah, it's really exciting. The build up for the Aussie Summer's already started, uh, and just can't wait to rip in. It's going to be a great four years. And I can't thank Jerry and everyone behind the scenes enough for being able to make it happen. There was a uh, Luke Plapp. Oh, you're on mate level with him. Like, hey, mate, mate, mate. mate. Hey, <laughs> pl- pl- hey, he's a Brunswick boy. And now that I'm, I'm a Brunswick boy, I puff my chest out. At, uh, of but, course, all the Brunswick talent that we've got um, yeah, but with Joke, Ruby Roseman yeah, yeah, as well. True. Yeah. Uh, joke aside, uh, he's coming home. He's been a long time coming, he said. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, he, he, had, he, had a, he had a contract with Ineos. There was, I think, at the time, four or five teams that were uh, in to the market to get him mm. uh, even though he at the time he haven't uh, had any racing outside of Australia remember yeah. that time he was the, the little jewel that oh you mean initially, initially when he was yeah, signed yes. when he signed first yeah. and at the time there was four or five different teams that were talking and he was helped if you remember very well by our very own Richie Porte that yeah. uh, had a word yeah, with the Ineos that's right. management that's right um, th- what do you make of, of his time at Ineos uh, has he learned a lot Is he, how is he coming to this Jayco outfit yeah that's a good question I think He's learnt a lot. Mm-hmm. If, if he and because I think he he's he's that he's still a young kid, you know. He's he's maturing sort of quickly, and you have to as in in professional ranks, don't you? But he's still quite young, and he's talked about it as well. Um, not in that comment, but what he's learnt from Ineos and you know Garrett Thomas, you know that one name in itself, one of the most experienced pros and most successful pros of this era. So he's he would have learnt a lot from them, and he's he's had a really good apprenticeship, hasn't he? Yeah. And Jaco have this knack, and they have over the years when Shane Bannon was in charge as general manager, and of course Matt White has been there from day dot. They have this knack of letting young Australians sign for another team, or maybe they in in occasions they didn't have the opportunity to get them because their asking price was too much, and therefore they chose not to chase them. Because you chase a neo pro who's unproven, 
you know, still learning their trade, their craft as a pro cyclist. So you're I mean, saying Ineos can afford to take risks that Jayco may not, uh, they, they might be too risky at some point. Yeah, well, like, well, you can sort of say the first three years could be, you know, we, we, we met, if they'd had have matched Ineos in those first two years of his career, paid, you know, whatever the figure was, um, they're probably guaranteed they weren't going to get results from Plappy. You know, and they probably knew him, they do, they did know him because he's an Aussie and you see them progress. And it's after that two, three, four-year period is where they start to develop and really excel. And now is the time, Plappy, that Jaco needed him. They've got him. And you know what's really significant? Four years. Yeah, that's what I was going to They could have said, let's take him for two. They've taken him for four, and let, let's hope that we are in discussion with uh, with Luke Plapp for to have him uh, in in towards the end of the 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 end of the year to have him as a, as a main guest mm. of, of this podcast. So we can't take words out of his mouth. But I'm asking you, as the ex pro rider, four years. What does that say? Is he the GC leader that the team is sort of needed to renew their their ambition as a, as a as a Grand Tour approach? Or where, where is where do you think he's at? Yeah, that that's much oh, easier. You got some good questions. It's kind today, of my job, mate. Brother. It's kind of yeah, my it job. Is your job. You know, and you're you're succeeding in doing it. Um, yeah, it is. Jokes aside, that is a, that is the really that's the key question, isn't it? I hope. I yeah. hope he is the GC guy. Will will he be this big GC guy next year? No, I don't think so. Maybe one week stage races, Paris Nice or Torino Adriatico, Criterium de Dolphine. You know the big ones. Maybe, maybe that that will be the stepping stone. But I I would like to think that between Matt White, Matt Heyman, you know all the all the DSs that that play a significant role in, in shaping that team and its riders, I would like to think in the back of their heads, they are going to really test the waters with Plappy and, and say, let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's see what you can do over three weeks. Because, you know, like I'm, I'm just putting one out there, but yeah. it doesn't have to be the Giro. It doesn't have to be the Tour de France. There's the Vuelta at the end. Yeah. And, and if they plan it right, what tells you that he can't actually win the Vuelta? Yeah. 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 I mean, and he, look, he, he's played a real domestic role at, at Ineos mm-hmm. for, for all the right reasons. You know, he, was, he was a young pro, a neo pro, and then you know second year pro, and so he, he and he played a role really well, I thought, at his time at Ineos. Um, you know, so now's the time. Now's so the time point, to see where he's at. Question for you though: uh, He came out all guns firing and got the national championship and got recognized and picked up by Ineos. Yep. Okay. The next year he came back, he wanted to prove that Ineos made the right investment. Organ blazing became national champion. <laughs> Again, Can yeah. anyone beat him in January <laughs> in Ballarat? Uh, win that, knowing the guy, knowing yeah. the boy, knowing the mindset. Yeah, and this is actually... Don't tell me will, it's my first Will he be question. the first? <laughs> he would be the first rider, and someone will potentially correct me wrong here, Will he be the first rider to win three in a row? That, I don't know. In a row, that, yeah. successive. Mm-hmm. Could be. That could be the case. We've had two in a row. But knowing the mindset, mm. how do you think this is sitting? Oh, he'll be a hard man to beat. Yeah. I, I was up in Bryce uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, just on my own, duck, ducked across, you know, on a family visit for a couple of days, and I saw Plappy. Mm-hmm. Spotted him out <laughs> doing the Ks. So if you listen to Plappy, you can't hide, mate. Um, <laughs> but I saw him up there, and I didn't get to catch up with him. But, um, no, look, he's he's back into training, full force, no doubt. Um, so I would imagine, yeah, Australian summer for him is important. And as we know with Team Jaco, two down under, 
is an important race. Mm-hmm. And on occasions, I think Matt White has said it previously over the years, Tour Down Under is the second most important race of the year for us outside of Tour de France. Yep. Because, yep. of course, Jerry Ryan, you know, the, 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 the sponsor, the financier, um, it's his home country. Jerry wants, he wants the team to go well. So can he succeed uh, Jay Vine? As a, as a winner of the TDU, is it something that yeah, should... Yeah, Plappy. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he, he will outright beat Jay Vine. Jay Vine's a, you know, he's progressing in his own career and he's a class act as well. And he's already got the score on the board at, at Grand Tours mm-hmm. in terms of stage wins, etc. And TDU, he's won TDU. Yeah, he's won TDU, of course. So, but no, no, Plappy can challenge. He could, he could, you know, he, he could have a very good summer and I would imagine and you know I think a guy would be good to get his sort of analogy and analysis preemptive analysis of this Simon Gerrans you know our very own because Mm -hmm. they relied on Simon a lot in his time at um at at Jayco and and its various names to get the success early in the year they relied on him at national champs they relied on him at TDU he won four TDUs Simon Mm -hmm. so you know he was it, it, it was always a fairly stressful period for Simon Gerrans in January to get that success, you know, and then he'd back, back it up later on at Liège and at the Tour. So he's, he's probably going to be another Simon Gerrans too. That, that's, question. you know, could he could Ooh. he be that and not yeah. a Grand Tour rider, but, you know, win Liège, Baston Liège, go for those one-week stage races, go for stage wins, yellow jerseys. Yeah, maybe so, that's the sort of rider he'll yeah, be. Yeah, ho- hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to ask him uh, mm. in in the weeks to come. Uh, yeah. as uh, hopefully we'll be able to have him uh, in this particular chair where you're sitting, Maka. Yeah. Uh, just before we talk about another Australian making yes. uh, making the move, uh, not very surprising, but we'll talk about this. Uh, there's another other Australian, Caleb one, of course, has also joined Jayco. What does that do to the vibe having? Plappy having uh, Caleb Ewan back here, back at Jayco. We talked about this move before, but this sort of nest they are creating around these riders from someone that is experienced but still young and someone that comes in as the bullet of uh, where he is from, I can't remember, yeah. uh, but, but coming with so much bags of experience around guys like Matthew Hemmon and so on. Talk, talk to about this culture, this vibe around that team. Well, what's, well the first thing I think to, to bring up mention is they're signing Australians. Yeah. They're signing other nations. You always will. And it'll never be a wholly Australian team. And you don't want it to be. You want you want a mix of cultures, of, of riders from different countries, etc. But they're slowly bringing in the best Aussies. So, and as you say, the experience, Michael Matthews came back. He did full circle, came back uh, to Jaco. He's there. He's happy. He seems like he's in his happy place, happier than what he was when he was with them previously um caleb's back now what the 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 future for him and jaco let's wait and see over the next 12 months i think it's pretty crucial though i will say that for caleb i think he needs to get the score on the board not just for him but for the team so they can you know ride that success and but imagine this at at tdu where or imagine this at ballarat or something that he becomes uh, australian champion or he wins a stage at tdu Plappy wins the the the, TD, the the actual Tour Down Under or something like this. In in terms of the the atmosphere in a team, yeah. And and you know what else? And I think I, I, I think you can talk about this in any team, nation, a nationality of, of a team. The the guys at Jayco and not just the Aussies, but the foreigners on that squad who are racing for an Australian mm-hmm. team, 
they will absolutely empty themselves for Caleb in bunch sprints. I'm not saying Lotto Destiny or Lotto Sudal over the years didn't. Caleb had success there. So we need to recognize that and respect it. But let's face it, the last couple of seasons, that that honeymoon period, yeah. that marriage had ended and it was it was it was not nice and not getting any better. What we're going to see at Jayco, win, lose or draw, they are going to absolutely bury themselves and Plappy will be one of those. Yeah, but I, I'm, my point as well is around and when we move on in a sec, but uh, imagine, like we know um, Luke Plappy is a bottle of joy. Mm. He's a fun guy around. He's, a, you know, he, he's quite fun to, to be around yeah. uh, as, as a rider. He will bring this as well in an atmosphere where Caleb Ewan uh, maybe was a bit, could have been a bit tense, or, but now having Plappy inside that team, it probably releases a lot of pressure, a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, the, the actual atmosphere in on camp, on training, on training days, on, yeah. on the road. Yeah, and also I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think I've said this before, and, you know, I'm not, um, I'm privy to a little bit but uh, of Jaco, but not, you know, not, not a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm friends with Matt White and, you know, I know a few of the, the Aussie guys from my era, I suppose, who are now involved and working in the, in the squad. But I think it's a fair thing to say that they've matured mm -hmm. as a management. They have, they have to have matured over a 10 year period. They've been around now. The team started in 2012. So they've matured. They've grown up as well. Matt White would have improved as a team director and as a, a team manager now he's you know he plays more management role rather than DSing role so I think they've learned how to improve their own culture you know they, they've they always thrived and said their culture was good and Jerry Ryan talks about that a lot in business and in sport but it can always be better you can always improve it so I would like to think and I think they have proven it to be honest that they're their culture and their management skills have improved. And I think Michael Matthews coming back to that squad, it was like they buried a bit of a hatchet, um, buried the hatchet, I should say, um, when he left. Because when he left, they didn't, I don't think he left on great terms. And I think they'd probably both agree on that. And the fact that he came back and then they've had success together, um, I think they know now how to, you know, get the squad together in a mature way and, and, and deal, you've got to deal with athletes differently. You know, years ago, we've, we've talked about this, I think previously, and I have with other people in sport, directly in sporting teams and codes, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and you know this, Christoph, you know, coaches would yell and scream at the athletes. And I'm not just talking cycling, any sort of sport. <laughs> any sport, yeah. And even in cycling that happened. And, and that was probably more derived from Europe, I would say, um, in, in cycling at least, because it's a very old school sport you know, in general, and Europe, you know, is the, the historical sort of hub of the cycling. But that's changed. And I think now that's how Jaco and other teams as well have grown up and learned how to deal with this generation of riders coming through. So back to your point about Plappy being there, he will be this good balance yeah. with the older guys like Matthews uh, and Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. So you're a mate with Plappy, but look, I've got mates as well. <laughs> Hey, Christoph, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, some big news uh, from a start of last night dropped. Uh, so really looking forward to the opportunity coming on as a as sports director with the starter next year. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know, but a, a sports director is one of the only roles within a team structure that have uh, any accountability to the UCI after a rider. So it's a role that holds a lot of responsibility and, and outright you're responsible for not only the riders, but the staff uh, during that race or on that race. So 
yeah, a lot to organize. It'll be a, a big learning curve for myself, but with the experience I got from a racing career, I've, I've got no, uh, no qualms and there's no stress really about the role and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, as I, as I mentioned, we have some great riders coming on next year, some new riders, uh, some existing riders within the team that I'll be working with. Um, obviously my, my main core responsibility will be, uh, the, the big sprint races and uh, especially with Cav. Uh, but in saying that we've also got a, a young Max Cantor, uh, young German who's really exciting. So, uh, also looking to work a little bit with Max, uh, Case Bowl has already been there one year, also a very talented rider. Um, so looking at, uh, working with those guys and really chasing some objective objectives of, uh, some sprint wins. So yeah, really excited once again to be, to be there next year. And it kind of rolled about after the tour this year, uh, working with Cav and getting to meet Alexander Vitokurov and, um, you know, discussing the future of the team, what objectives he's had. Uh, and there's been some really exciting signings. So uh, really looking forward to it. So that was, of course, Mark Renshaw. Mark Renshaw that has signed uh, as an official DS now for Astana. Uh, that's uh, that's very interesting what he says about you know what it takes to be a, a DS and what it means. But Mark as a DS for, uh, for of course, the whole team. But okay, there's also Mark Cavendish in, uh, in this. Uh, what do you make of that uh, official move? Yes. that Well, we're, we're slightly disappointed because it means we'll have less of Mark Renshaw with us yeah. at SBS. Um, but what we know and what we've got to know of Mark Renshaw, and I must say, well, I've got to know Mark Renshaw here at SBS and I knew him, I raced against him and I knew him, you know, but not very well. He is a ripping guy and uh, he's very humble and he's exactly what Team Astana need and probably what Mark Cavendish needs. I was going to and say that is why they've signed him. How much of a, 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 a well, he'll an be a is, yeah. yeah, and he won't take. Can I say it? he won't take any shit from Cav? <laughs> um, you know, and I say that in a nice way. And I'm not, I'm not having a dig at Cav, by the way. It's yeah, you know, but Cav, Cav is Cav. You know, he's a superstar, and uh, he'll say what he wants. So Mark Renshaw, I think, will be this leveler. He'll be this leveler for Cav. He'll be this leveler for the team. But he'll also talk, and it goes back to what I was just saying, how you deal with the current generation of riders, he will know how to deal with them, to speak to them sort of in a way to motivate them. If they've done something wrong in the lead-out train, he'll say, okay, guys, you know, this, is how, this is how we've got to fix this, and this is how we will fix it. And they'll have respect for him, you know, not just Cav, but all these younger sprint riders, because they would have grown up watching Mark Renshaw and be like, he knows better than anyone how to do a lead-out. So we need to listen to him. Yeah. So that's, you know, he's got some really strong points, I think, uh, Mark Renshaw, and, and he'll he'll take them to, to Astana. So that's a massive asset for them. So the, the, the target, the objective of 35 is well and truly alive for for Oh, it's alive. D and, 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 and we're all on board, <laughs> aren't we? Even if, even if we were on board, we're on board even more now. 100%. Mark Renshaw's in there. 100%. So. I want to be there on the yeah. finish line when yeah. he does it. Yeah. You know, and, and we want, it. and Mark Renshaw, Seeing that we're just giving you oodles of love here, um, <laughs> we, we want also in. want the intel. <laughs> yeah. We want the in. We want the intel. Well, I'm on the Don't... mate. I'm on the mate level with okay. you. Know? Right. <laughs> good, good. Uh, right, that's your job. Then. <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, let's talk about just quickly some of the transfers as well, which yeah. are interesting. We might not go into detail on all of them, but there's some interesting ones. Uh, Lafay. Lafay, which is the man, if you remember, that broke the complete drought yeah. of Cofidis. Victor Lafay. Uh, yeah. yeah, Victor is leaving Cofidis. He's going to AG2R. 
Yes. I don't know, interesting move. Uh, is, is, I would have liked to see him go to a non-French team. I think whether that, were, or not. that was discussed. Yeah. And I'm not too sure why he chose AG2R. I mean, of course, there's uh, our very own yep. O'Connor in the team. So we have also uh, a vested interest in, uh, in this team. But uh, I think that's a very interesting move. Yeah, it is an interesting move. Um, not that yeah, we can debate hours about it, but it's... Yeah, it's, no, no, no. Look, he was... he was That that stage win into San Sebastian yep. was super impressive but, because he, he went away with, you know, the four best riders in the world. He followed them mm-hmm. on the climb. They got smart. caught and he then he, he rode it brilliantly at the end. Um, Do you know who else is uh, then who's going to Cofidis? Who? Kenny Ellison. He's moving from Little Trek. Two Cofidis. Really? So it's another French move really? uh, going wow. back to France. That's an interesting one. Tiny, tiny rider. Can yeah, be that, he could do well at the Vuelta, for example. Yeah, I mean, well, Cofidis have enjoyed their best season in yeah, years. Yeah. Like two stage wins at the Tour, you know, and for one of the longest standing sponsors now, because, mm-hmm. you know, some of the longest standing ones are ending, Cofidis are still going. So, you know, you, we want, as an industry, you want teams like Cofidis to succeed. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be, I'll, I'll be interested to see their final roster. Come Jan one, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be sorted before then. But you know, Jan one when they start racing and to see how Cofidis, um, you know, hit the start of twenty twenty four. So th- there are some other moves in not so much in details, but Ineos has finally signed someone. Oh, who? <laughs> Oscar Rodriguez. Uh-huh. Stalling uh huh. Stalling from Star. Yeah, at some point you could just think, what's happening at Ineos? Like, who's going to ride in this team? <laughs> yes. Well, at the moment he'd be like. Great, don't sign anyone else. I'll be the GC <laughs> man. Um, isn't it interesting? What's interesting about that is many years ago, many moons ago, a Spaniard on the biggest Spanish team and most successful yep. team out of Spain would never leave that team to yep. go to an English-speaking team. Exactly. <laughs> and now you have that. And, that's and, it how happens, much... and it's not the first time that's happened, but it, it's just quite quite funny how now it's quite normal that you see and, that. And that's how much Ineos has changed as well. You know, how much they transform from the Sky era. Yeah. Like. And also, you know, Movistar are going through massive changes. Well, Movistar, I just thank you for the lead, but uh, yeah. Quintana is back at Movistar. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Ca- Cavania, Cavania is going to, uh, to, to Movistar. Yes. Formolo is going to Movistar. To Movistar. Yeah, they've had, they've had a huge, yeah, yeah. huge shake-up. The big one, though, Quintana. Quintana. That's a, what, do you, what do you think of this? Like, because for me, I, I, I thought he was done with what happened yeah, at Arkea. I think he's done. I Well, I think... I think Quintana, I think the best of Quintana in terms of form-wise is done. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe they're going to get to get anything better out, out of Quintana. Him. Look, he might, he could win a stage at the Tour de France, or maybe they've got other plans for him. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe their plans are, look, your part, the Tour de France is beyond you, but you can win the Vuelta. So maybe that's their plan. I'm not sure. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. I don't, I don't. I think they will go guns blazing to the Tour de France. We'll see. The one I still have questions around is, is Cavagna. Cavagna has yeah. been the lieutenant for a certain Julien Alaphilippe mm. for years and years yep. and years. Yep. He's left to Movistar. I yeah. hope, uh, I'll say here, I hope Julien Alaphilippe is not moving to Movistar. <laughs> That's a move I don't want to well, see. Well, with everything that went on with um, Pseudo Quickstep, mm-hmm. you know, with the potential merger, the non-merger, the you know, half the riders losing contracts, I mean, I wonder if Cavagna's and his manager got nervous at a point and went, let's get the hell out of here yeah. because this is too unstable. And, you know, why not? maybe Cavagna <laughs> actually, we don't know, but, you know, putting up putting up with the antics of Patrick Lefebvre, <laughs> unless you are one of the world beaters, and even Alaphilippe has hey, copped a bit of flack from Lefebvre. Bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, to have to, to, to be in a squad and have to want to put up with that sort of stuff, 
yeah. you know, to be quite frank, it's pretty poor yeah. at times. So who knows? Maybe Cavani's just gone, I want out. Uh, team de Klerk at Lidl. Yeah. That's a, well, they've done, they're, they're another team that's yeah. had huge signings. They offloaded a bunch of riders and then they're bringing in a bunch of riders. So, yeah, we've had, I've got to start doing my homework. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm updating the spreadsheet. Don't yes, worry. That's good, okay. good, good. Can you have uh, it ready for TDU, please? Yeah, because, no problem. Uh, uh, yeah, that's my first gig. One thing I wanted to talk about is material as well. Uh, Lapierre is leaving Groupama FDG. They, After uh, years. 22 years as a wow. supplier. Uh, and FDJ Groupama is believed, I think it hasn't been signed, but the uh, echo is uh, they're going with a uh, Wheeler. Oh, Italian Wheeler. brand. Italian? Yep. Yeah. Ni- yep. It's a brand that exists from 1906. Yeah, that with Vincenzo Nibali yeah. for a few, quite a few years. Well, they, they sponsored Astana, actually. Astana, yeah. Um, but um, how impactful it is when uh, someone like Groupama FDJ has been riding It's, how many generations of cyclists have yeah, been on it for yeah. that team? And French, French brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. French brand, 22 years. How significant is that? Even on the performance for the rider. If you are uh, Godu, for example, yeah. all your career, because he's done pretty much all his career so, with... Well, the question I have out of that is, where is the, where's Lapierre going? They're not. They're stopping. They're stopping. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Pro team uh, sponsoring. They, they, Maybe it's a cost thing. They decided... Oh, it costs a lot of money. But like, it's for someone like Godu, If you think about it, Godu has done all his career, development, yep. Neo yep. Pro, and Groupama. How significant is this today? How, how much of a worry is it today to go, actually, next year you change material? Well, Is it big? Is it not big? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Look, look I won't talk brands because I don't want to, I don't want to no, put no, some bad like, press gen- on brands. Gen- but generally, just, moving from one brand to another. Well, I'll give you... I'll give you an example of a team I know that was with uh, a few different brands. They went to one brand and they were not happy at all. And they were not happy talking with about, but... <laughs> aerodynamics, et cetera. They yeah. didn't think it was up to the level of what they wanted. So what you, what you have now, what you have with these teams, and when you get sponsored by a, a, a bike company, generally the bike company bring in their own tech person as well. Or you have a tech person on the team as well who is employed by the team that is then in charge and is the liaison with the bike brand to improve, you know, the R&D, research and development, aerodynamics, the science, the weight, all, all of those things that go into research and development to improve, um, you know, the speed of the bike. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you want, don't you? The bike to go faster in a legal sense. So, but again, again if you, so if it, it just depends now. For for Godu, so back to your question, Godu and these riders, who knows? They might be wrapped because they might be saying, "Wow, we're getting on an Italian brand," and the and the research and development that Willia are doing is far and beyond what Lapierre was doing. But, who knows? but does that mean, for example, from now to the start of the season again, there's actually a lot more homework for them to yeah. do to adapt themselves to uh, calibrate the bike exactly? Like yeah, there's, there's 100%. a lot more work. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, well, what you do normally, and I mean, this is, I'm going talking about my era, so this is a war, long time ago now, so things change. I know. But normally you have these basic set of measurements when you when you set your bike up. And that's like anyone who goes to a bike shop and goes and buys a $10,000 bike or whatever. You know, you have these measurements. Those measurements are on file with the team. They will now go to Willia and Willia will go, right. And then Willia might say to Gordu or to someone, all right, we're getting you in the tunnel. We want to test. We want to check. We think we can improve your position or You know, we think actually your position's perfect. We don't want to change a single thing. So that, but there'll be, as you say, there'll be a lot of homework being done and not just now, 
it'll happen through January, February, March, April, you know, time trial bikes, you know, yeah, whole exactly. new setup. Yeah. Um, you know, remember, I think we can talk about it because it was, it's old news now, but remember when Rowan Dennis withdrew from the Tour de France, Yep. not because he was sick, not because he was tired, not because he was injured. He, he was withdrew, <laughs> he pulled out on a stage, halfway through the stage, because he had a disagreement over the handlebar setup of of the bike that he was on. And he told them he'd wanted a certain drop-in handlebar profile setup. They couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. And he... Oh, he left, he left Bahrain on that day. He left Bahrain. <laughs> Who's the bike again? Yeah. I'm trying I to remember. remember. <laughs> I'm interested to know. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Merida. Yeah, okay. Uh, Merida yeah. bikes. He wasn't happy with the front-end setup. So he was on BMC, remember, prior to that. Yeah. You get used to a certain bike setting. and brand mm. setting, um, and it's all about the watts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, on the racing side of, uh, of because there is still a bit of racing, there's some criteriums happening. Uh, you are all over it. I am, mate. I am. Well, actually, is there, actually, is there work, seriously you know? racing going on? <laughs> yeah, there is a criterium of uh, Saitama in, oh, uh, of and, and Pogacar won this ahead of Sepkus. So Pogacar still wins. <laughs> wow. Still winning. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, come on. I think, am I allowed to say it? I you can't even you can. see it. Hey, come on, you say what you want. Come here. on, they're yeah. fixed. They're Is paid. it rigged a little yes, bit? Yes, <laughs> of course they are. Of course, it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing. It's run by ASO, isn't it? Yeah, ASO only. So the they event. do one in Singapore and one in Japan. Yeah, yeah, and it's been running for a few years. The Saitama one, at least. Um, it's obviously, obviously successful. They get the crowds, and it's obviously just a great promo for ASO to showcase. Their brand, and the I guess yellow jerseys and all those. And they, they get the riders there. to go. They have to. It's I think it's part of the contract of certain riders. Obviously, I'm not sure what I make of it. Mm -hmm. I guess it's an exhibition event. That's what it is. That was sort so, of the essence of my question. Yeah, yeah Pogacar won this one, but what is with the criterium used to be historically really part of the culture. You had the winner of the Tour de France, you had the Polka de Jersey, you had the Lantern Rouge, the last yeah. person of the Tour de France, which th that's why for a long time there was a battle of if you're one but last, you probably are better off finishing last of the Tour de France because you'll be invited to all the criteria. Yes. The one that is one but last wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, yes. is, that, is that still the case? Is it still alive? Yeah, it's is still. It's... Look, I, I've lost touch with with the post-tour crits and I don't keep up with them. And, and they're not something you keep up with really unless you're a cyclist racing. Oh, and you're local. Like yeah, you're something yeah very you're local. local. It's a kermis. In, in my career, yes, I got invited to a few um, because I won a stage of the Giro. So I got invited to a few in Italy, post-Giro. And I got invited to ones up in Belgium after the tour. I never rode the tour. Mm -hmm. But I'd, I'd get the odd invite and you'd just get... Minimum, minimum, you know, sort of salary, but it was a pretty good salary. Like, you know, it was better than a day's wage for an average person. I'll say that much, you know, for, for, for a nobody cyclist, I suppose, or, you know, just a, a yeah. pro who hasn't had a great year. But the, the interesting thing about the post-tour crits, I'm not sure if this still exists. The first couple that I ever did were up in Belgium or Holland. I think it was in Holland, actually. And there was a script Handed around. Yeah, okay. <laughs> An actual script of what how the race was going to unfold. Like, wow. It's like oh. pro wrestling. Okay, we're <laughs> already told what's going to happen. There's going to be an attack here on lap four. They'll stay away for four or five laps. That will come back. Then there'll be an attack here. And then the final attack will happen. And, well, surprise, surprise, it'll be the guy who won the green jersey of the Tour de France. It'll be the guy who won the polka dot jersey. Oh, the local guy. Most mountain guys can't ride crits either, by the way. But, yeah, so... Yeah, that, that's how they work. I think, I think you told me a story around a beer with a certain Laurent Jalabert. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, we had a, we had a great one. Can I tell it quickly? Uh, go on, it's go on. It's quite funny. Go on, it's nearly Christmas. So I'm, I'm living down in Toulouse near Carcassonne, where we've had some great stopovers on the Tour de France. So the post-tour crit is in Carcassonne. So I get invited, a bunch of us get invited. And Laurent Jalabert's there. And he was you know, still in his prime. And we start the crit, and he sees us, and he's like, uh, you know, it's like the pros all stick together. <laughs> they know who you are. You know who they are and the stars. We all know what's happening. Anyway, a bunch of amateurs attack, and it's not on script. <laughs> We're not looking through the notes during the race going, yeah, hang on a minute. You're not meant to attack here. So we let them go. Next minute, they go further ahead, further ahead. Jalabert takes it upon himself, comes up to a bunch of myself and a few others. I can't remember who else was there. And he's like, get on. Get on, He, he didn't even ask us to do any work. We get on the back of him. I think we might have pulled a 30-second turn each. He just <laughs> blasted across to the amateurs. We didn't stop. We kept going. We blew the whole field apart. And then Jalabert went away and won the crit. <laughs> and it was basically to just show the amateurs, listen, you're invited. You're getting paid. Do what you're told. And script. I know some of you might say, oh, a bike race is a bike race. Fine, if that's what you want to do. But then the race gets destroyed and it doesn't look like a great spectacle. And these amateurs thought they would try and match the pros. And Jalabert just took, taught them a very harsh lesson. <laughs> and you know what? I hated it because the crit was harder. It was worse. So you actually worse. work for your yeah, money. I'd actually work a bit harder for my money. Yeah. So, oh, geez. Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you in this podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. 